This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. Let's go to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on the Bet Rivers Network. We're talking with the great Terry Francona. I know everybody poo-poos baseball fights. They're like, hey, you go out there and everybody's just talking yeah. and shoving. But when you get out there, man, those guys are big. They they get after yeah. it. And when they get after it, man, look out. It makes you a little nervous. Robin Ventura still won't talk about Nolan Ryan to, to this day. He, he wants <laughs> nothing with that conversation. Listen to the bullpen with Adam the Bull on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, more college football previews along with Paul Stone at Paul Stone Sports, Bruce Marshall, a CBS Sports Line, and VegasInsider.com. I'm Jimmy out with you. We love some college football. And, uh, and Paul, you, you're getting ready to go to uh, Las Vegas for um, the, uh, the South Point Games of the Year. Chris Andrews uh, posting. Is that correct? Well, you know, I'm not for sure. Uh, you asked me, and I'm, I'm kind of in the process of deciding. You know, I've bet so many games of the year so far. I started betting them in late February in different markets, and I'm already going out there Monday uh, for Bet Bash, which is next week. So uh, I've got to decide whether uh, I'm going to um, be there Friday or stay married. So it's uh, <laughs> now, I'm, I'm probably I'm, I'm maybe going to miss it this year, although. Uh, she would certainly sign off on it, but I'd be gone a long time. So probably probably going to miss miss it this year and, and somewhat based on the late timing. Yeah, and we look at the ACC this year. I was uh, actually in Clemson uh, a couple of a uh, couple of months ago and, you know, taking a tour of their uh, their football facility and, you know, just said, you know, our tour was like, you know, you know, conference championships just aren't enough around here anymore. I mean, to get a little spoiled and since we hadn't been to the uh, playoff, but they've won seven of the last eight conference titles. And here comes Florida State. Uh, they will get them. But Clemson does get Notre Dame and Florida State both at home uh, in a Death Valley. Last year, my favorite my favorite uh, under of the year, and that was Georgia Tech under. I said, this roster, this roster and his schedule, this, it, this is a recipe to get fired. Well, the coach got fired too early, and they split the rest of their games down the stretch and uh, covered that over, and he got the job permanently. But overall, uh, with your research, Paul, we'll start with you, uh, th- this league and the ACC in this 14-team league. You kind of, I kind of lost you there for just a second. You said about the fourteen-team league, just a general overview. Yeah, just general with through your research. Uh, what you know, what what's uh, some things you've taken away uh, from this league this year? Yeah, I think certainly. I mean, you know, clearly Clemson and Florida State are the class of the league, no question about it. Uh, they stand out, and then you know, North Carolina would be the other team that's got a, a chance to win with Drake May. They're going to have a prolific offense again. But certainly uh, their defense uh, continues to be the riddle that they haven't uh, solved. And I really think from there, I mean, even though Pittsburgh, Pat Narduzzi is one of those coaches who does more with less, so to speak, and it seems like these defensive guys just year in and year out, you know, he's producing first-round guys that you didn't hear of maybe until their sophomore or junior year. So he can really coach them up. But I really think after those top three, whether you're talking about Pittsburgh, I think they're a little bit down. Louisville, Wake Forest, 
Duke, the Virginia schools are both as down as they've been at the same time in years. I just think uh, even though the ACC has been ridiculed, you know, quite a bit the last several years, I think behind those top two teams and certainly behind those top three teams, uh, the league even has less depth three through 14 than it's had in the past. Yeah, Bruce, uh, it does seem that way with those uh, high totals. Uh, Clemson at uh, 10, Florida State at 9.5. Maybe, maybe the top non-conference matchup of the season. That's Sunday evening uh, in Orlando between Florida State and LSU. It's a lock to be a top 10 matchup. Man, well, we know what uh, how that thing finished in the Superdome last year with a missed extra point away from going to uh, overtime, scoring on the last play. But uh, you do like uh, the Clemson over, Bruce, over 10. Again, as I mentioned earlier, seven of the last eight conference championships. Um, but, you know, has their roster dipped a little bit? Or are they just lacking that just big-time quarterback like Deshaun Watson or Trevor Lawrence? Um, Cade Klublet uh, comes in. They're very high on him. But he did have a, a rough go uh, in the bowl game against Tennessee. And new offensive co coordinator Garrett Riley comes in from TCU. Yeah, um, all of the above that about the, uh, about the league. By the way, uh, Florida State and LSU, a Sunday in Orlando in September. What are the odds there's going to be a lightning delay there? Um, <laughs> I, I wouldn't schedule a game outside in the first week in September in Orlando, but that's just me. Anyway. Uh, I want to comment about this league and amplifying what, what, what Paul said. The bottom tier of this league is a little more expansive than other leagues. I mean, the, the bottom is really far away and there's more teams at the bottom in, in this league. So you've got that top tier with those two middle tier and the bottom tier about split from the rest of the, the from each other. So there, there's a bigger bottom tier in this league. And I think Clemson takes Clemson has taken advantage of that. Uh, for the past decade, really, with Dabo. And you make some valid points about has this thing slipped a little bit? Uh, it has. I mean, the last couple of years, there's no doubt about it. Uh, but uh, if you see it, and I see it, and Paul sees it, Dabo sees it. And he went out and did something about it by bringing Garrett Riley in from TCU. And he told Brandon Streeter, you're not my guy anymore to run this offense. It just didn't look quite the same last year. You're right, uh, beyond Deshaun Watson and beyond Trevor Lawrence, it's been a little bit tougher to get this offense going, perhaps. But uh, Klubnik, uh, you guys might remember, and Jimmy, I, I'm pretty sure for you, after the opener last year at Georgia Tech, and they brought Klubnik in late in the game uh, for Ugalele, and I was texting everybody. I said, this kid's going to start before the year is over. He's, he's, you can tell the way he moves, the grasp of things. He knows how to play quarterback. He knows how to play football. His stats don't show quite as much last year. They had a good good statistical uh, night in the ACC title game when he finally took over at uh, quarterback. Uh, but uh, he, he can do a lot of things. What I like about Garrett Riley coming in, and I liked about TCU last year, is they there were different ways that they could beat you with that offense. I mean, they could slug it out or they could go and throw the football and hurt you through the air. I love Will Shipley at running back. He is a violent, violent runner. Uh, so I think that part of the, the infantry component is going to be okay. I think Klubnik can run the offense well. I'm not sure they have those top. We'll have to see if they have the top end wideouts that they've often had over the past yeah, decade. In Death Valley. That'll be a that'll be a key. But in this league, uh, I don't see them losing twice. And uh, there's that showdown with Florida State there. But beyond that, I don't think they're going to lose in this league. So I'm looking. I am looking at them over, and uh, that's how I'm going to go with the Dabo uh, in the 
big year for him to get where he thinks he should be, and that's in the Final Four. No, a guy like Justin Ross, they don't they don't have that guy uh, right now. So, and and also, you know, some people uh, outside of the SEC footprint will get a little upset, but it's that elite level SEC defensive front that is a common theme for a lot of teams that have made, and they certainly had that in Trevor Lawrence's uh, you know first year as a starter. That, uh, that got him all the way uh, to the national championship. So, uh, Clemson, and, but again, the league and the schedule, the president, their two toughest games are at home. Yeah. So, you know, that is it. We talk about Florida State at nine and a half, their total. Uh, Norvell's fourth year, uh, Paul, and he's just kind of, you don't have an opinion on the win total here, but he did, uh, he did uh, retain a couple of difference makers in the quarterback, Jordan Travis, and also the defensive end, uh, Jared Verse. And little by little, this roster is getting better and better and better. No, they're not Bobby Bowden elite level, but they are moving in the right direction. No question. I mean, they're moving in the right direction. And this time last year, I mean, Mike Norvell was on the hot seat. I mean, we've talked about it, I think, often on this podcast. People were talking about Dion. You know, they were talking about Coach Prime coming to Tallahassee to save the day. And now Florida State not only ends the year last year in the pre in the uh, end of the year top 10, they're going to be ranked in the top 10 this season to start the year, probably number seven. So they're going to be a top 10 team. I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian position here, even though they return. I love Mike Norvell. They return a, a bona fide Heisman Trophy contender in Jordan Travis, uh, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks uh, in the nation. They're really solid at the skill positions, feature one of the nation's top offensive lines. Um, you know, I could just go on and on, but if you go back to 2022, they play, and this is a different season, but still, they played three ranked teams last year, not top 10 teams, ranked teams. They played Clemson, North Carolina State, and Wake Forest. In the common thread in all three of those, they lost all three games. At the end of the year, they gave up a total of 70 points to Florida and Oklahoma. Uh, both those teams ran the ball for more than 250 yards against them. So I have con some concerns about them. And, and the way their schedule sets up, too, this is going to be a team to keep a close watch on. Obviously, they open uh, September 3rd, that Sunday night, as we said, in Orlando against LSU, and I do like LSU minus the points in that game. Uh, but then, as we said, they travel to Clemson on September uh, 23rd. Uh, they're going to be about a field goal underdog in both those games. If they lose those two games, a team that started the season with national playoff aspirations, now with two losses and uh, out of the playoff hunt, do they all of a sudden, you know, head south? I think that's really something to – to keep an eye on. But uh, this LSU team, uh, they got some great talent, but uh, I still think it's a little bit of uh, fool's gold. There's only one thing keeping me from betting Florida State, uh, from betting them to go under their regular season win total. It's really more than one thing. It's three words, Atlantic Coast Conference. So the conference <laughs> they're in just doesn't give me much co uh, confidence to bet the under. But I think this Florida State team, I think they're a little bit overhyped coming in. Yeah, uh, they may they may be, uh, but uh, but Travis is. Uh, I mean, listen, he he he's just a better college quarterback than a lot of guys who were drafted pretty high last year. Now I'm not mm -hmm. saying he's going to get drafted as high as a Levis or Richardson, but he certainly outperformed those guys 
uh, last year. So uh, he is um, he is um, you know 24 touchdowns and five interceptions. So a pretty good uh, jump uh, from the year before. Talking about offense, talking about quarterbacks, a guy that's going to be high, uh, you know, highly drafted. Drake May, uh, he's legit, no doubt. Mac Brown, uh, still steady. You know, run started nine and one last year, Bruce, and then lost their their uh, their last. Um, you know, with uh, now now four of those wins by three points or less, so they were living right uh, last year during that nine and one start. Then they lost their last four. Uh, the uh, uh, so their win total eight and a half. So not a strong opinion either way. But the Tar Heels are going to just try and outscore people. I would I would assume this year. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, the way they closed last year was very disturbing. I mean that uh, they were a three TD favorite against Georgia Tech and blew that game. And there were a lot of ramifications there. I think that helped Red Key get the job. We'll talk about the Yellow Jackets a little bit later. Uh, but it started the the heels on a little bit of a, a slide down the stretch. They lost their last four games, including the bowl game uh, against Oregon and San Diego. Now, the, Drake May, this was very interesting in the offseason. We talked about um, uh, Phil Longo yesterday or in the Big Ten preview when we did that one uh, at Wisconsin. Now, he was the coordinator there last year. And Mac Brown was very, very scared that Drake May was going to leave uh, in the portal uh, after Longo took the job at Wisconsin. He allowed May to be part of the process in finding a new offensive coordinator and uh, I mean, really part of the process. And he and Mac uh, both kind of jointly agreed that Chip Lindsay was the right guy. Um, you know, we'll see. Lindsay, as a head coach, did not it did not work for him at Troy, but he has good experience as a play caller. He's worked for Gus Malzahn before, pretty well respected. He says he's going to keep a lot of Longo stuff. I mean, he likes to run the ball uh, a little bit as well. One note about that: we we mentioned this yesterday about how much North Carolina, you know, the run pass last year. Remember. May ran for 700 yards last year, and a lot of those runs came let play out of the shotgun and in passing situations. So they 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 passed more than that, you know, 53, 54% passing plays when he goes out scrambling and when they're trying to pass. He's a great runner, but they want to protect him a little bit more if they can. But they're going to try to keep as many of the longo elements. And this kid threw for over 4,000 yards last year. They think he could be the top pick in the draft. A lot of people uh, compare him to Justin Herbert. Okay, so we know the offense, whatever the, 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 the specifics are with Lindsey in and, and Longo at Wisconsin, I think they'll still be fine. The question that their ceiling, though, is there because of, because of the defense. Now, another one of these situations where uh, the pace of the games for North Carolina was very brisk last year, and, and this, this, this happens if, if Illinois' defense played at North Carolina last year, they would have allowed a lot more than 12.8 points per game. It's just because the pace of the games were that way. Nonetheless, Gene Chizik's stop unit was right near the bottom in almost every ACC defensive metric. They were better than they were the year before, believe it or not. That's how bad they were previously. But they've still got a ways to go there on the defensive side if they're going to make that big leap up. So, And, and I don't like the way they closed last year, and I mentioned that right at the top. So I'm a little ambivalent to go either way. I'm tempted to give an over on North Carolina because I think May is that good. He might end up – he's in the Heisman discussion. But I'd, I'd rather just sit back. There's, no, there's other spots in the ACC I think are a little bit better for the season win projection. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, a lean toward the under uh, as well. The under shaded to minus 134 uh, at uh, Bet Rivers right now. You know, it's funny. It kind of caught me by surprise that Louisville had a higher win total at eight. Uh, compared to Miami at seven and a half and Pitt at seven. Jeff Brom takes over. He does add the Cal quarterback, Jack Plummer, 
uh, who was pretty productive uh, last year with a, a limited roster. But it's a, it's a schedule. They avoid the top three, the three teams who just broke down. Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina, none of those teams are on Louisville's schedule this year at eight. But, Paul, we get to the one that you're zeroing in on, and that is the Miami Hurricanes. Mario Cristobal, his first year was not good. Five and seven. Um, he's got seven new assistants on his staff this this year. Uh, both uh, both coordinator, including both coordinators. He does return 19 return starters. And, and Van Dyke, uh, I – I like this guy. I, I couldn't believe they were playing the Houston transfer uh, before him a couple of years ago. He really elevated them uh, to a late season run back in 2020, uh, 2021. But he got hurt and was in and out of the lineup, and that really hurt them. But And can Cristobal manage a game? I mean, at Oregon, he left us wanting a little bit more. I mean, he he was the best defense against Justin Herbert, I think, when he was uh, calling the shots at uh, Eugene. So that is always a question mark. You like the under, Paul. Yeah, I mean, talking about Mario Cristobal, you know, mom always said, if you can't see, say something nice about somebody, don't say something, <laughs> anything at all. And so what I'm going to say is Mario Cristobal – is a master recruiter. There's no question about that. He can recruit talent to his school. Uh, but, you know, like you said, first of all, they got quite a bit of talent re- returning. They got or quite a bit of players returning. They've got 19 starters, um, you know, got Van Dyke back. Uh, I'm maybe not quite as sold on Tyler Van Dyke as you are. I, I think he's a mid-level uh, ACC Power 5 quarterback. I don't know that he's a, a first or a second round draft pick like some people think. But I just don't see enough frontline talent to win eight games, even in the ACC. A couple of really interesting stats, to me anyway. Over the last five seasons, from 2018 through 2022, when favored, favored by less than double digits, so favored by nine and a half points or fewer, Miami is eight and 13 straight up, not against the spread. (laughs) They've won eight of 21 games outright when favored by nine and a half or fewer points. You know, that, that to me is just crazy. And then talking about Cristobal, he can recruit. But I'm not sure if he's a solid head coach at this level. I don't know if he's the kind of guy who is the CEO of a major program. And I think it's fair to say with the NIL and with all the stuff going on at Miami, I think there's a little bit of a culture problem that holds him back as well. But looking at Mr. Cristobal, in his last 30 games – His head coach at Oregon and now Miami, his last 30 games dating back to the pandemic season of 2020. I don't know if y'all want to guess what his record is against the spread in those last 30 games, but it's not very good. 7-21-2 against the spread every game, all 30 games. If we knew then what we know now, we'd probably be living in South Beach. We might even be coaching there, but I like Miami, one of my favorite Regular season win totals of the year, Miami, uh, to go under the total of seven and a half at minus 159 there at Bet Rivers. And and I mentioned I mentioned underutilization of a, I mean just a, a talent that doesn't come around often. A guy that you know has you know that much size, that much speed, power, arm strength. I mean he is everything you want. He stayed for an extra year. And it was I remember the first one of the games that sticks out in mind in Seattle against Washington. Well. They got behind 14 points, so then he had to just, okay, Justin, try and win it. And guess what he did? He, you know, two long touchdown uh, throws and, and, and won it back. But it's also just blowing games twice against Stanford where he just, 
you know, to kill the clock, game management type of stuff. I mean, to blowing it. So, I mean, he's got to he's got to improve on the sideline. I know we kind of highlight some of the big, you know, the big gaffes, you know, in game management or clock management, but he's got a list of them uh, over recent times, Bruce. He does. And one other thing here, I mean, he, he is here because he was John Ruiz's chosen coach. Ruiz is Mr. Booster at Miami. I don't know if there's one booster in the country who has a control of the program like Ruiz does at Miami. And the nil is really cranking at Miami, too. Look who Cristobal has had behind him. He's had Phil Knight, and now he has Ruiz. So he's had some advantages here. But there's a lot of people who didn't think Manny Diaz should have been fired after 2021. And Van Dyke was getting a lot of, of uh, hype because he looked really good in 2021. One other note, there's some local political intrigue involved because Diaz's father was heavily involved in politics in South Florida. That had something to do with this stuff too. So Cristobal is there by me in a set of circumstances where he wouldn't have been hired at a lot of other places, I don't believe, except Miami. Hey, Bruce, uh, one of the teams that uh, is below Louisville, uh, and you have uh, circled them, and you like them this year, and that's, uh, you know, Nardizzi's Pitt Panthers. Uh, the t- uh, win total is seven at Bet Rivers right now. He's brought some stability uh, to the Pitt program. Uh, I mean, eight years, uh, you, know, follow- you know, he followed that ACC championship game with the nine and four season uh, last year. Uh, he does bring in, well, this is a third school for Phil Jerkovich, uh, but he will be a start- starting quarterback. Durability is certainly a concern when you're talking about uh, Jerkovich. Um, Cincinnati and at West Virginia are non-conference games, but experience and depth on both sides of the line of scrimmage for this year's Pitt Panthers. Yeah, I think they're getting under undervalued here, and I think Paul Stone mentioned that a little bit earlier about Narduzzi maybe not being um, uh, appreciated, but in you know, he's not a warm and fuzzy sort of guy, and that's the way he coaches, too. It's my way or the highway, but he tends to call out the guys who don't buy in, and the ones who stick around are coached up. Over the last two years, only Dabo's won more games than Narduzzi, 21 to 20. So, And even post-Kenny Pickett a year ago, when we thought they were going to, to slip, uh, was Slovis. Um, and in the bowl game, Slovis wasn't even there. He opted out, and they still won the bowl game. Really exciting over UCLA. That gave them uh, nine wins. And Pitt, you know, I think just a very, very underappreciated uh, uh, program. Now, this year, Jokovic, you talk about him. You know, last year, things went really sideways at BC. I'm not sure Tom Brady could have won last year with what went on at BC, and, and Moorhead ended up beating him out later in the season. But Jokovic played pretty well before. Uh, I saw him at ACC Media Day last summer in Charlotte, and the talk then was this, this guy, potential first-round pick. And then it all went bad last year. On the plus side, uh, his coordinator from uh, from BC, when he did put up those good numbers prior to last season, Frank Signetti Jr., is now the offensive coordinator for uh, for uh, Narduzzi at Pitt. And Jurkovic is a Pitt native, so he is sort of coming back home. Started Notre Dame, went to to uh, BC. So this is sort of a homecoming. His last shot, sixth year, and I think he'll be fine. But it's the defense is what we like about Pitt and Narduzzi. And what I like is, I mean, they, they have been the leading sack team in college football since 2019. So they've had to cycle through uh, some guys and, you know, they're going to have to do some replacing again. I mean, um, uh, Collegiate Kansi was the ACC defensive MVP, NFL high draft pick uh, for this year. So they do have some guys to replace, but he has been able to do that. And his defensive front brings pressure all the time. 
Uh, he was a defensive coach. He was uh, Mike Mark D'Antonio's right-hand man for many years at Michigan State. This probably would have been a better hire for Michigan State than the guy they got, if you ask me. But uh, the schedule breaks pretty light, nicely. There are no Clemson. Uh, a couple of games at uh, what they used to call Heinz Field, Acrisure now, Wolford, to start off. Cincinnati and a bit of a rebuild. And uh, then they have uh, the backyard brawl renewal again at West Virginia, which might be a bit down this year. Uh, I could see Pitt starting off 3-0 and and then uh, getting above seven wins, I think, is very, very likely. And there's proof of concept here, and that's what I like. And actually, if, if Jokovic can stay healthy, uh, I think Pitt is uh, Pitt's probably the number three team in this league. All right, so Bruce going over uh, seven with the Pitt Panthers uh, this year. Uh, next couple of teams we're looking at, uh, both at six and a half, both uh, – well, NC State, six and a half, but shaded to the over, minus 159. Syracuse, six and a half, shaded to the under at minus 159. Dave Dorn, 10 years uh, at uh, in Raleigh, trading out quarterbacks, and a couple of quarterbacks have been uh, get banged up uh, recently. Devin Leary goes from Raleigh to Lexington, Kentucky. Brendan Armstrong comes down from the University of Virginia. Both of these guys – <clears throat> excuse me, are very good. And, and Armstrong especially, kind of a you know, real live wire, but uh, he beat you with his arm or with his legs. And, man, him in and out of the lineup was a major difference for Virginia uh, in his days there. But he comes over to NC State to play quarterback for them. And then Dino Babers, 36-49 uh, in seven years. They were number 14, 6-0 last year and had a 21-7 lead of a Clemson in Death Valley, but they lost 6-7 to end the season. Garrett Schrader, the former Mississippi State quarterback, uh, improved the passing game, you know, uh, 74 yards a game uh, over last year. Some or thoughts on NC State or Syracuse, Paul? You know, NC State, first of all, they've won uh, eight or more games in five of the last six seasons, but I think they might be hard-pressed to get there this year, even though the, the schedule is fairly manageable, ranked – uh, 45th nationally by one publication. You know, one thing to look at, you talked about Devin Leary. He got hurt, you know, early mid about uh, midseason last year, an Achilles injury, I believe. And they obviously struggled mightily offensively after that, especially at the quarterback position. But Devin Leary was the preseason offensive player of the year in the ACC. So this is a, a big time talent. Be interesting to see what he does at Kentucky. But uh, as you mentioned, Brennan Armstrong from Virginia, uh, now under center, he's reunited with Robert Renee, his former offensive coordinator there at Virginia. And last year, obviously, was a tough go for Armstrong. Uh, but looking back at that uh, 2021 season, he threw for almost 4,500 yards, uh, threw for a lot of touchdowns. He's a bulldog of a quarterback, a, a tough runner. So will be interesting to see what North Carolina State uh, does. And then looking at uh, Syracuse, you know, they go one and 10 in the pandemic season of 2020. They improved to five victories in 2021, and then they win seven games last year, uh, getting off to that hot start uh, to begin the season. I'm still not sure how they beat Purdue. I had a ticket on Syracuse. I don't know if you guys followed that game. But that <laughs> oh, was yeah, that was, that was a but, steal, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a steal. But they, uh, they lose their standout running back, Sean Tur Tucker. Uh, that's a lot of productivity. He rushed for over 3,200 yards in his three-year career, so I think that's going to be difficult to replace. They haven't, the Orange, they haven't posted back-to-back winning seasons uh, since back in 2012, 2013. So, uh, you know, I, it's, it's kind of tough. I don't really have a strong lean either way. They do have non-conference games against Colgate, Western Michigan, and Army. 
uh, which should be wins, but uh, difficult to find any surefire, other surefire victories. So I'll stay away from, uh, from both those schools as far as any regular season win total recommendations. That's Syracuse, uh, 32 to 29 victory over uh, Purdue. I want to say when uh, they scored, uh, Purdue scored with like 20 seconds, 25 seconds ago. Was it back to back double personal fouls on the kickoff? Were they were kicking so. off at their own 20 yard line, Bruce? I had 15. I had Purdue in that game, so I. <laughs> yes, <laughs> me too. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it didn't know. It didn't work out too good. A couple things about Dino, though. You talk about uh, assistant coaches, uh, and I left like. Uh, like uh, Paul Stone said, um, uh, Jason Beck, uh, who had roots in the same system. He, you know, he came from BYU um, originally. Uh, you know, he takes over uh, uh, the, the offense this year. And interesting, look who's uh, coordinating the defense now. Rocky Long. Uh, talk about a, you know, out of your comfort zone here. He spent his entire coaching career, you know, New Mexico, San Diego State, back to New Mexico. The father of the three three five, and that's one of the reasons why Dino brought him in because Tony White, his predecessor, removed to Nebraska, similar sort of defense, and White played for uh, Rocky Long when, when, when he played in his playing days. So there's roots there, and they thought Rocky was going to be the guy. I will say this about Dino. He's got a sense of humor. Last year in Charlotte, ACC Media Day, somebody asked him, are you feeling any pressure, Dino? And he said, I've got $10 million left on my contract guaranteed. I don't have any pressure. So uh, at least he's frank and honest. Although I think he probably noticed that Jim Beheim finally got pushed out on the basketball side. So while they seem to be behind him right now, there is not endless patience at Syracuse. I think he needs a big year within the next two years where the temperature is going to really turn up beneath his seat. All right. Uh, the next one I'm going to look at, this is my pick. Okay. So, and I, I agree with you guys, this, the ACC lacks the, the, the upper tier strength that maybe like the PAC 12 uh, has this year without all those outstanding quarterbacks. I don't think it has the, you know, the depth of say like the big 12. I mean, you know, the, the bottom half of the big 12 is much stronger uh, than the ACC. It appears that way going in. So I think this league is a little bit vulnerable for a mid-level team to try and make, you know, pile up some wins. And that's why I'm looking at uh, the Duke blue devils at six. So tons of juniors and seniors on the roster they were eight and four last year they lapped their three or three and a half win total uh, from a year ago and Mike Elko uh, is ACC coach of the year they returned 18 starters including five of six from tackle to tight end up front and I love Riley Leonard who's through for 232 a game 20 TDs he also scored 13 times with his legs so I Good, good, good coaching team. The one year to the next. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of uh, bullish on the Blue Devils uh, over six this year. Yeah, I am. I, I am too. The, the only concern I have is uh, this schedule is is a lot tougher than it was a year ago. And, and against last year's schedule, I definitely think they would have been. They open with Clemson, a Monday nighter. Uh, they've got Notre Dame. They've got uh, Florida State. Now they do get uh, Dabo and the Fighting Irish. Do go to Wallace Wade Stadium, um, and Duke should be favored in its other non-conference games, Lafayette, Northwestern, and UConn. So I think they'll be okay there, but uh, in the league, I mean, it's going to be tougher, and uh, they throw Notre Dame in there too, so it's not going to be quite as easy. But I think this was a, a, a great example of a career assistant and coordinator, and we've, we, my, we've talked about this before. My blanket thought is I kind of wait before – committing one way or the other on a career coordinator, no matter how good they might be, when they transition to head coach, 
It doesn't always work. It worked with Elko, and he's smart enough to do it. And even that Jimbo Fisher, if we can decipher everything he said, even he said this guy is brilliant because he worked for Jimbo before, and he worked in the ACC before at Wake Forest. He'd been at Notre Dame too, so he knew the neighborhood there. Riley Leonard came in. Now, at the end of the Cutcliffe regime, really, really, they really took a nosedive. And the thought was, okay, Elko was going to help out the defense a lot because the defense disintegrated. And that was definitely true last year. We didn't figure the offense was going to be that much better. I mean, they scored almost uh, over 32 points per game. They're well more than 10 points per game, better than they did in Cutcliffe's last year. Leonard, a great dual threat quarterback. Um, and so they really put everything together very nicely. Started off well, finished well, won the bowl game. Um, the stop-end improvements were expected with Elko, and he, he knows what he's doing. So I do agree with you, Jimmy. Maybe not quite as bullish just because I think that schedule bothers me a little more, especially in league. Uh, but I think they probably did over six as well and back to the bowl. No, no, no doubt. Uh, even if you want to uh, mark Florida State, Notre Dame, and Clemson losers, that's fine. And that opening week uh, for – it's actually Labor Day night. Uh, Clemson's a 13-point favorite uh, at Duke, you know, to start uh, – to cap off that five-day Labor Day weekend. But I'm, I'm going to pencil in wins for Lafayette, Northwestern, and UConn. So it's going to be the other six that are kind of 50-50 games, and we'll see how it's going to be. could be close, but have so much coming back, man, from last year. And I like first-year coaches who show some signs, usually a little bit of a bump up uh, even more so the following year. So um, uh, I'm, uh, I like what I see. And uh, listen, I just, it just jumped out, man, junior, senior, junior, senior, yes. all, through, yep. all through that depth chart uh, for the Duke Blue Devils. Paul, any thoughts on uh, Duke? I was going to add something real quick, you know, and I, I followed Mike Elko very closely uh, through the years, especially at, at Texas A&M, uh, short stint there. And, you know, I'm, I'm not saying he's not going to be a great coach. He might be, but they were plus 16 in the turnovers last year. That's not going to happen again. They were, they were one of the highest ranking teams right. in the turnover category. So that kind of skewed their performance. Plus, as Bruce pointed out, uh, their schedule was 96th toughest last year. They avoided Clemson and Florida State. They get them both this year, plus Notre Dame. So they go from the 96th most difficult schedule to the 22nd most difficult schedule. But like you, if I'm going one, one way or the other, I would definitely go over. I would think they're a better uh, possibility to go 7-5 and five than 5-7. Five and seven. So I'm going to be uh, pulling for you, and maybe if you win, we'll go out <laughs> for a steak dinner at uh, Hugo Cellar or somewhere. There we go. There we go. All right. Uh, other teams that you guys didn't have uh, a pick on these teams, but Wake Forest, Dave Clawson, has he missed his window of opportunity to maybe jump to a bigger job? Uh, perhaps uh, nine years, 59-53 record. You got a, a winning record over a nine-year span in Winston-Salem. You're doing a heck of a job. Seven straight bowl games for the Demon Deacons. But, of course, the big thing here is the void left by Sam Hartman, you know, try going to uh, South Bend to take on Notre Dame. I think the biggest the biggest addition through the, at that position in the transfer portal. So we will see who, uh, who, uh, who uh, you know, what, uh, what happens to this. But uh, – and also, kind of also, who gets the, protect, uh, the credit for this sort of mess protection offensive system? You know, was it – was Hartman just – did he execute it? at a, such a high level, or is this Clawson? Is he a product of the system? That will be interesting going to more of a traditional uh, type of uh, approach offensively in South Bend. And then Boston College, uh, Jeff Halfley under some pressure, entering his fourth year at 15-20 and 20 overall, 
three and nine last year. We talked about his quarterback went to Pitt. Uh, they do not play Clemson, North Carolina, or NC State, which is uh, advantageous. Their win total uh, is five and a half. Any thoughts, Bruce, on these two teams? Yeah, uh, Boston College. I'm I'm uh, dubious here. Halfley's under some pressure uh, because they really dropped off last year. This was one of the worst offenses in the country. Uh, now a little a little ray of sunshine late in the year when they switched to Moorhead at quarterback. He's big, six uh, five, two forty, and he's got a pretty good arm. He threw for two fifty plus in three of his four starts, uh, and they did score an upset at NC State uh, down the stretch, but. Too often last season, this offense really, really struggled. And um, I'm just not sure, you know, he, he threw another coordinator under the bus uh, last year. So they're going with co-coordinators. Offense, Rob Chudzinski has been around the track, including in the NFL. And the quarterback coach, uh, Steve Shimko, they're going to both share the coordinator job on offense. And he's got co-coordinators on defense, too. So maybe he thinks he needs help. One thing I would note about BC, though, and part of the reason maybe last year, that everything fell apart. I mean, the, the offensive front was bad. This was the bottom-ranked rushing team in the country. But they took a tough injury in pre, in fall camp last year, right before the season. Uh, Christian Mahogany, maybe one of the best uh, linemen, solid guard, NFL potential, uh, knee injury last year, right before the season started. He didn't play. And with some other injuries after that, that offensive front just did not coagulate at all. Uh, Mahogany's back. He decided to stick around and reprove himself. He's a possible NFL draft choice coming up. A couple of transfers in from Texas State and Virginia. Uh, they think they're going to be better up front this year. And after 63 yards per game rushing and allowing 46 sacks last year, um, this offensive line, I think, is the whole key for Boston College being better than it was a year ago, which I think it will. But will they get, they've got to get to 500 really to, to, to uh, uh, get uh, you know over this total. I'm not sure they can do it. One schedule note. I do love this. Friday, Thanksgiving Friday at Miami. What does that remind you of? Doug Flutie to Gerard Freeland. <laughs> so they're trying to recreate that. Miami might not be too happy about it. But for BC, a lot of feel good with that Thanksgiving Friday game in Miami. And, uh, and Paul, let's get to one that you do like. And you're looking at the Virginia Tech Hokies. Their win total is at five. Brent Pry, three and eight in his first year. And he returns a lot more on the defensive side than the offensive side. But I'll let you – what what uh, catches your attention about Virginia Tech? Were you confident there? Well, first of all, you know, make no bones about it. I'm certainly not uh, saying this is a great football team. The Hokies are a, a shell of the program that they were during uh, Frank Beamer's 25-year uh, tenure there in Blacksburg. Uh, they've, they've got a way to go uh, to reach those heights. But, again, the total – uh, is only five. So first, I mean, for the bad and the ugly, Virginia Tech, they've now endured three straight losing seasons. So it's really been tough. They're just 14 uh, and 23 in their last 37 games, dating back to late 2019. And looking at last season and Prize's first season there in Blacksburg, the Hokies only finished three and eight, but they, without question, they were a better team the second half of the season than they were the first half of the season. First of all, in the second half of the season, Virginia Tech, they led North Carolina State and Georgia Tech both by double digits late in the third quarter. Uh, they ultimately lose both of those games by a single point. And then they closed the season, what turned out to be their season finale uh, as a 10-point road dog by upsetting Liberty 23-22. to 
in Virginia Tech, you talked about their defense. They were actually pretty good defensively last year. I mean, without an offense to speak of, they only allowed 24.7 points per game. So that's a pretty good defense. So offense, clearly their problem last year, they only averaged 19.7 points per game, 314 yards per game. In all 11 of their games, they failed to reach 30 points. So they didn't score 30 points in a single game last year. But I feel strongly they might not be significantly improved, but they're going to be at least somewhat improved on offense. If uh, Grant Wells, the transfer from Marshall, uh, if he doesn't improve, he's going to be uh, replaced or at least uh, spelled occasionally by the transfer from Baylor, uh, Kadron Drones, who brings a running element to the uh, position. And then you look at the additions. Most transfer portal additions really are, are, are not too substantial in my opinion. They're people who didn't play at a power five who are coming from an FCS school. So they're stepping up way in class. Their numbers just don't justify that they're going to be a great upgrade. But speaking of the FCS, they had a running back from North Carolina A&T, uh, Basil Tootin, who rushed for over 1,300 yards last year. And really the kicker for me, they, they get two through the portal, two really productive receivers, Ali Jennings from Old Dominion, Jalen Lane, uh, from Middle Tennessee State. In their careers, those two receivers, they've combined for 266 uh, catches, 3,793 yards, and 26 touchdowns. So a lot of productivity coming at the wide receiver position. That offense is going to be uh, is going to be better uh, based on the, the current numbers that I have. Six of Virginia Tech's 12 games are going to feature a line of three or fewer points as of today. And there's going to be a lot of games like that in the ACC this year, especially in the back end of that conference. But I think they're going to take a positive uh, step in year two under Brent Pry in a watered-down ACC. I like them to go over five wins at minus 125 there at Bet Rivers. Yeah, they avoid uh, Clemson uh, also uh, this year in a schedule. Non-conference, interesting uh, non-conference lead. Old Dominion, Purdue, and Marshall uh, for the Hokies. All right, Bruce, let's get to uh, the next one that uh, you like and go to Georgia Tech. We talked about them earlier. Their win total is at four and a half. Jeff Collins fired after the fourth game last year, going uh, one and three, and then Brent Key takes over. Goes four and four with some wild ones uh, in there. Willie Fritz reportedly turned down the job. He wanted to concentrate on the Cotton Bowl. They didn't want to wait, and so they ripped the interim tag and make him the permanent head coach. So Brent Key takes over after going four and four on an interim basis. Yeah, and uh, that was actually a, a nice save job out of the bullpen last year because we we sort of knew that Collins was going to be uh, moved out, and uh, they beat, they went on FCS beat an FCS foe early, but the other three games that were really ripped in uh, September. And uh, then he got the boot and uh, they promoted Key without any thought, I think, that he would have been uh, the the ultimate guy. But, you know, he's got some roots there. He, he was there when George O'Leary was there and he did rally the troops and they did win. Those four close games were all hair raisers, but that's good. I mean, he, he, he showed poise on the sidelines. His team showed some poise. And uh, that North Carolina upset, I think, is really the one that helped him get the job. And they didn't even play Georgia all that badly. Heck, fought better than TCU. No, they did, didn't. Sure. Uh, so uh, the thought down there, though, a lot of people, Georgia Tech sort of snuck up on some people last year. And they were sort of flying under the radar, especially after the Collins thing. So they'll get a more of a test uh, this year. 
you know, we'll see what goes on at, at the quarterback spot. Uh, Pyron played with some poise when he came in last year, but it was sort of a merry-go-round after Sims got hurt. So we'll see how that works out. You're right. Uh, they examined some other coaching candidates there, and I think Willie Fritz could have had this job if he wanted it. Uh, the new AD who came in last year, by the way, they fired the AD Stansberry right along with uh, right along with Collins. Jay Bat comes in from Alabama, where he knew Key, where he worked on uh, Nick Saban's staff. So it wasn't that big of a leap for him to give Key a shot here. I'm not sure, though, they're going to be able to pick up the pace from where they did last year. They won all those close games. Still some questions at, at uh, offense, who's going to be a quarterback. Uh, the task is daunting on the flats. Again, this is one of these schools academically, they don't just let everybody in. So the portal, even though they've had some ads in there, they're not going to be able to do a full rebuild in the portal. Uh, so it's going to have to be a cultured uh, situation there with Key and his staff coaching these guys up. Uh, I think the jury is very much out on this hire. I don't know if there's enough structurally different in the program right now, except the guy at the top from where they were with, um, with uh, Collins and uh, certainly without a guy like Sims, who was a catalyst when he was healthy. Uh, I'm not sure they've got that at quarterback. So um, I'm not too bullish on Georgia Tech right now. Uh, we need to see a little bit more proof that Key is the guy. Expectations are low, but uh, I don't think they will exceed these lower expectations. All right, under four and a half for Bruce on the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. Uh, going to Oxford this year, so make it a return trip to Ole Miss. And then they end up, of course, with their annual contest against Georgia. That's a couple of tough non-conference games uh, for the uh, Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. South Carolina State out of the MEAC. And then they open up in Atlanta against Louisville, another Power Five. Um, it's a conference game, you know, to, to start off. Uh, but anyway, uh, double double barrel action by you guys. So you both uh, like Virginia under three and a half. That's a low number. But the Cavaliers, of course, we talk about Brandon Armstrong. They they lose him, and um, so the, uh, the, the 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 so this tough job just got a little bit tougher uh, in uh, Charlottesville. So uh, he transfers out, and he wasn't the only one. They lost quite a few uh, to the transfer portal in the offseason. Paul? Yeah, I mean, you know, first of all, last season's tragedy in Charlottesville really underscores the insignificance of college football in the grand scheme of things. And obviously it's an understatement to say that Tony Elliott uh, had a trying uh, first season as the Cavaliers head coach. They went three and seven uh, in their abbreviated schedule as they only played uh, 10 games. Uh, two of those games, though, last year of those three wins, they came against Richmond and Old Dominion. And you talked about the uh, the transfer portal. I mean, they were clear losers in the portal. Not only did they lose Armstrong to North Carolina State, but they lose by far their two best defensive players. Uh, they lose linebacker uh, Nick Jackson to Missouri and cornerback Fentrell Cypress the second to Florida State. So those are really tough uh, personnel losses to to you know to offset. And then you look at their three game non conference schedule. They do host. FCS, William and Mary, but they have games uh, against Tennessee and Maryland that are away from home, uh, both likely uh, defeats. A game that I think will really have a long uh, or a big say in whether or not they go over or under their total of three and a half is that week two home game against former FCS power and second year FBS member, uh, in-state rival James Madison. Uh, right now, I have that game as a virtual toss-up. I would favor Virginia by one point. In six of its eight ACC games, 
uh, Virginia Tech, uh, Virginia rather, uh, almost certainly going to be an underdog. Uh, home games against Georgia Tech and Virginia Tech could really go either way. They're going to be uh, virtual toss-ups. You look at that quarterback change from Brennan Armstrong to likely a transfer quarterback from an FCS school, Monmouth, that only won five games last year. So uh, you just you worry about that. They're woefully thin at the skill positions. They have a young offensive line that's only combined for 17 total starts. I just don't see uh, this team winning four games. I think Tony Elliott's tenure uh, in Charlottesville may be a short one, and I like Virginia under three and a half wins. Yeah, and you talked about the schedule too, Bruce, uh, before I get to it. But, Paul, uh, open it up with Tennessee. I mean, so that's got their attention. Then, you know, in between Maryland, they'll play James Madison. James Madison, on the uh, flip side, they open up with Bucknell. So, there'll be, uh, you know, just a tune-up to before they uh, they play uh, Virginia there. Bruce, you like the Virginia to the under as well. Absolutely. And, by the way, uh, William & Mary is picked to win the CAA. You don't think they're going to be fired up to go to Charlottesville? I'm not sure Virginia wins that game either. I hate to pick on Elliott for what happened at, at uh, Virginia right. on campus last year, but the fact is he did a terrible job, and he looked a lot better at Clemson when he was there when he had Watson and he had Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the year before, 2021, when Clemson was sort of, when, when DJ was there, the offense was awful. Um, and by the way, Dabo's assistants, Dabo's aides, his disciples, Jeff, I mean, uh, Jeff Scott washed out completely at South Florida. Venables last year, bad debut. Tony Elliott, you know, Dabo and his disciples aren't doing all that well. And we could tell at ACC Media Day last year when Elliott said he was going to change the offense and slow it down. Yeah, they had the offensive line. He had some adjustments to do there. But this was a dynamic offense with Armstrong a couple of years ago. Uh, and they were running former you know, an air raid there, really, with Bronco. He wrecked Brennan Armstrong last year. And and they were lucky to win three games, I thought. And that was close. Uh, the ODU win was close. And they caught Georgia Tech a really close win after the coaching change. Uh, this is going bad for Elliott, and I, I think they are under it. I, I think they lose to James Madison and maybe William & Mary. This could really be a disaster this year. All right, so we ended up with uh, uh, both uh, Bruce and Paul liking the under in Virginia, under three and a half, which shaded to the under, minus 143 at Bet Rivers right now. That does it for our ACC preview. Catch all of our previews right here on the Sports Betters Paradise YouTube channel on the Bet Rivers Network. For Bruce Marshall, for Paul Stone, I'm Jimmy Ott here on the Sports Betters Paradise. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider.